How many of you are glad God is preparing you? Now, if you don't realize he's preparing you, here's what I need you to do. Look back in the backyard of your life and look at how God has gotten you ready for where you are right now. And then I need somebody to rejoice that he hasn't brought you this far to leave you now. Come on, he's getting you ready for what he's getting ready for you. Come on, somebody say he's preparing me. I don't know what it is, but I know he's preparing me. I, 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 I don't, listen, I don't know what's in my future exact, but I know he's getting me ready for what he's getting ready for me. Yeah. He's preparing me Because he cares for me He's preparing me Because he cares for me Can I tell you, sometimes you, you got to realize God's got to get you ready for what he's getting ready for you. So, sometimes we're busy praying for stuff and we're not even ready for what we've been praying for. God says, okay, I, I hear what you're asking for, but I got to get you ready for it. Thank God he's preparing Thank God he's getting us ready for Because somebody can rejoice. It's not enough to get in the room. You got to have enough character and godliness to stay in the room when the devil's trying to get you out of the room. Yeah, gifts will get you in, but godliness will keep you in. God's got to get you ready. Praise God. Come on, somebody give God a hand of praise. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Man, we greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you and you're not ashamed to say so, come on, somebody make a joyful noise to the Lord. Yeah. Man, what a blessing, what a blessing. For those of you who are watching, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the privilege of your time. Thank you for allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. Remember, you're not watching to make me a big preacher or us a big church. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. We're praying for you. Like us, love us, share us with family members and friends, and let them know there's never been 
a better time for hope. Let me thank God for your commitment not to having church or coming to church or going to church, but we are committed to what? Being church. We want to be the church that God has called us to be. And everywhere we go, remember when the Bible talks about church in the New Testament, every time the word church is mentioned, the Bible is never referring to a building. It's always referring to a people. You are the church of Jesus Christ and we thank God for you today. Let me thank all of those who came out for our annual church uh, we usually call it a church business meeting, but I think I'm going to start calling it the church celebration meeting. Because, man, all we did was celebrate. Um, we could have shouted for an hour just celebrating the lives that have been changed, what God has done through this church over the last year, and what God has been doing in your lives. The testimonies that have been shared the life change that has been experienced and identified. Man, we thank God for what God is doing in your life. It was a blessing last year. 2023, I have said over and over again, has been the best year of my ministry here at this church. And in April, I will complete 30 years here at the Good Hope Church. 30 years. I came the, uh, I think it was the second Sunday in April, third Sunday in April in 1994. And so it'll be 30 years and we'll celebrate in June. And we're looking forward to God blessing us in a powerful, powerful way. On last week, many of you participated in our Discipleship 301 series, helping you discover your shape. And today, immediately following this service, <coughs> excuse me. Immediately following this service, we have our salt and light ministry fair. Now, it will include opportunities for you to sign up for ministries here. But the primary focus of this is to connect you with ministry partners outside of our church, off our campus, to encourage you to be the salt and light that Jesus has created you to be. Hence the name salt and light ministry fair and uh, many of you who have participated in your rooted group and have participated in your service project i'm asking you now to get ready to take that to the next level i just don't want you to do it in your group i want you to find some place where you are passionate to serve and passionate to be salt and light whether you choose to do it once a week or once a month or once a quarter but i want you to get actively engaged your growth in jesus christ will not be facilitated by you simply coming and sitting your growth is facilitated when you become actively involved in the kingdom work you start living out your faith you start working out your soul salvation you start serving and not just sitting so we're excited about that now you should have a prayer guide in your hand for those of you who are watching you should be able to download it right now you can find it on our website goodhope.org you can also find it in your uh on your app the good hope app um your prayer guide this is for you to take home this is for you to uh post wherever you post or if you want to make copies of it distribute it when jesus asked his disciples to pray with him 
and he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. He came back, found them asleep. He said, could you not tarry one hour? And there's always been this idea about praying one hour. And many of you, if you were like me early on in your Christian life, you said, man, I'm going to pray an hour. And you might have been just like the disciples. You went to sleep. Um, you went to sleep somewhere between, Lord, I want you to, and Lord, can you? And, and so we developed this prayer guide out of our rooted curriculum to help you strategize how to pray at least one hour, how to pray at least one hour. We use pray as an acronym, praise, repent, ask, and yield. And I lay out for you a guide along with some key hints and points on how to divide up your prayer time 15 minutes in each of those four areas. And if you do that for 15 minutes in each of those four areas, you will have prayed an hour. Now, you can do it more, you can do it less, I, uh, but I want to encourage you and give you the tools that you need. I can't tell you how many people I had come to me and say, Pastor, thank you so much. Oh, my God. I never, I've never prayed an hour before in my life. It was so much fun. Can I do it again? It's like, absolutely. You can do it as often as you want. So those of you who are in Rooted, this week is your prayer experience week. This week is your prayer experience and you're going to pray with your group. You're going to discuss prayer, then you're going to pray, and then you're going to come back with your group and talk about what God has shown you in your prayer experience. For those of you who have been through Rooted, you don't need a group to pray, so I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to make this week a special week of prayer to set aside an hour to pray. Now, I'm not asking you or telling you or suggesting you what to pray. Trust God with that. But I've given you that prayer guide so you can take it home. Those of you who have your groups, you can hand it out. Your groups will have it and they'll be able to learn how to manage and think through what it means to pray for one hour. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Oh, Lord, no, no, no. That sounds like just that side over there got it. Come on, root it in ground and make some noise. Come on now. Rooted and grounded is our discipleship culture here. We have made a fundamental intentional shift from having discipleship as a program to having discipleship as our culture. And I've gone so far as to say to you all, if you're not committed to being discipled and to making disciples, then let me find you another church where you can go to. There are plenty of churches that are focusing on church attainment. That's not our calling. That's not our goal. Our goal is to help people. Remember, two kinds of people in the world. Pop quiz. Two kinds of people in the world. People who what? Know Jesus and people who need Jesus. People who need Jesus, we want to help them to know Jesus. People who know Jesus, we want to help them to grow in Jesus. We are doing two curriculums right now, Rooted and Purpose Driven Life. We'll be adding on as we go, but we're setting these up as baselines. And listen, I need to help somebody today because somebody may be watching and say, oh, well, I've already done that. I've already done that. I don't need to do that again. Can I tell you something? This is not about you. Like, okay, you did rooted. Okay, you did purpose-driven life way back in the year of our Lord. Now, can I ask you a question? 
When are you going to facilitate a group for somebody else who needs Jesus? Like if you already know Jesus and you've already memorized the whole book of Purpose Driven Life because you have a photographic memory. I understand, but now when are you going to help somebody else? Look at somebody and tell them it's not all about you. Look at that other person and tell them it's not all about you. We're supposed to be helping people who need Jesus to know Jesus and people who know Jesus to grow in Jesus. And if you are familiar with the curriculum, then praise God, you are even better equipped to lead somebody else through the process. Speaking of the process and testimonies, we've got a testimony for you today. Let's hear our testimony this morning. When Pastor first introduced the Rooted and Grounded curriculum to us, I thought it was just another Bible study. After I began to start studying it and get more involved into the reading, I realized that it was so much more. Knowing God, knowing who He is, and being introduced back into His, His presence and His grace and His mercy, I realized how much of a big God He really is how much of a loving and kind God he is. A God who spoke um, everything to existence from nothing. What an awesome God we serve. And he loved us enough that he gave his only begotten son to us. So what a powerful God that is so big and so loving and so kind that he would do just for me. Second part of the curriculum was me. We're dealing with me and my situations where I was going through in my life. Uh, Rudy had a chance to uh, examine me and me to look in the mirror and to show where I've fallen short as a man. Also, what was really impactful when we got into the strongholds where I showed that being in, uh, having strongholds in your life wasn't a part of your DNA. It was sin in your life that needed to be rooted out. So that was, that was when I found out that I needed to be free and the Bible tells us when the Son of Man sets you free you are free indeed so I was walking in that freedom right now but one of the most important parts of uh, a rooted was the relationships that I formed from uh, being in the group the fellowship the love praying for one another encouraging one another such an awesome experience and people I would never have met normally and now we're rooted for life Thank you. Man, we thank and praise God. Deacon Carswell has been uh, such a, 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 a pillar in our discipleship culture and has been uh, leading I Will groups. Several people have gone through I Will with him as well, which is kind of our first responder uh, discipleship uh, offering. And I'm grateful and thankful to him and thankful for his Testimony. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on his time today. Um, I won't keep you long. We're only going to get through a couple of points today because I want you to get over to the Salt and Light Fair. Uh, I want you to find ministry. I want you to find partner, community partner to sign up and serve with as we continue our journey to being the church, being who God has called us to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that everything 
that we do and everything that we say would, would be pleasing in your sight. Uh, we give you glory and we give you honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I heard a lot of stories about the happiness and joy that I uh, brought to my family when I was born. Um, I was born December the 18th, one week before Christmas, and as my family would testify, uh, because they really weren't saved at the time, uh, that um, they, they blew through all of the Christmas liquor when I was born. <laughs> Uh, my, my mother would tell me and my grandmother that my, my grandfather and my father uh, had, had red eyes for about a week up until Christmas, and I had put a serious dent in the New Year's Eve festivity fund. Um, I was, got to remember now, my mother was an only child, my father was an only child, my grandmother on my mother's side was an only child, and even though my grandfather had multiple siblings, they lived far away. I was the first grandson. I was my father's first son. And so there was great pride taken in my birth. They were excited. They were pleased to see me come in the world. Like, like many of our families, right? When we have a, a new birth, when we have a baby come into the family, uh, people are excited. People are uh, overjoyed at this new life that comes into the world. But the question is not only how much pleasure and how much joy you get from a new birth, but the question is when we live our lives, how much pleasure and joy do we bring to our family's life? I would often ask uh, my mother as I thought about my own life moving forward, uh, arguably, the, the two most influential people in my life uh, was my grandfather early on because I spent so much time with him. And then later on, my mother, in terms of just her encouragement, her love, her support. And I would often ask her, um, you know, if, for example, if, if she thought my grandfather would be proud of me, right? If, if she thought he died uh, in 1986, uh, and uh, 1984, I'm sorry. And, and so I you know, would ask her, you know, because so much has happened in my life since then, I would say, you know, man, mommy, you think, you think, you know, uh, Pee would be proud of me, right? And she would assure me that, that he would be because I not only wanted my birth to please him, but I wanted my life to please him as well. The Bible says heaven's they rejoice when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, when you experience the new birth, when you are born again, that heaven rejoices when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. But here's the question on the table. While heaven rejoiced when you were born, does God still rejoice? Is heaven still happy based on how you live? Uh, Rick Warren uh, uses the term uh, making God smile. Do, do you live in a way that puts a smile on God's face? Does God look at you with a sense of satisfaction because he sees growth, he sees development, he sees the manifestation of his word in your life? I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that far too many of us 
come to church and we don't think about pleasing God, we think about pleasing ourselves. Uh, let me see if I can knock on somebody's door. Um, I didn't get anything out of church today. I, I came to church, I didn't feel anything. Uh, one, one person said, I, I, was in, I was in the rooted group, but I, rooted did nothing for me. And, and here's what I've come to understand. Whenever you have that type of of a phrase in your mouth whenever you have that kind of attitude here here's what i think you have missed you have missed the fact that you have come to worship for the wrong reason you see when you come to church it's not about what you feel it's not about what you get out of it now i know some of you that's going to shock you but here's what i submit to you today my brothers and sisters worship isn't for you it's for god now, you may receive some ancillary benefits from worshiping God, but worship is not about you. When you leave here saying, I didn't get anything from church, I got news for you. Church is not about you. It's not for you. Now, there's a big problem if God says, I didn't get anything from church today. Because while you think you're the audience, God is the audience of one. And while you're watching the stage, God is watching everybody, pew and platform, trying to discern whether or not you really love him. At the end of the day, the motive for our life and living is to honor, to bring glory to God, to please God. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk for a few moments from the thought how to live to please God, how to live to please God. Now we're in our discipleship session. We're in week three. We started by talking about how to live God's purpose in your life, looking at the life of King David, who served the purpose of God in his own generation. The book of Acts tells us before he fell asleep and died. Last week, we talked about what on earth am I here for? And I challenge you to make God's priority your priority. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added unto you. And when he makes that statement in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6, he's referencing in the immediate context what he said in Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 32. He basically says the stuff that we worry about, the stuff that preoccupies us is God's business and our business is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then let God take care of his business. And God says if we make his business our business and our priority, then what we have traditionally made our business will become his business and he'll add all of the things unto us. Today, we are focusing on living a life pleasing to God, bringing pleasure to God, putting a smile on the face of God. And what does it mean to live life and live a life that's pleasing to God? Look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is, there it is, pleasing to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, let's read it together. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That word please means to be in full agreement with, to do what is acceptable or accepted, to be well-pleasing to another. God is looking for people who will live to please him. Now, here's the truth of the matter, my brothers and sisters. Most of us live to please someone, it's just not God. Uh, Typically, we live to please ourselves. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. We, we, We live to please ourselves. We want everything to bring pleasure to us. We might let our spouse get a little pleasure. We'll get our, let our children get some pleasure. But it's really all about us. And God says, no, the goal of your life and living is not to live for your pleasure, but to learn how to live in a way that brings pleasure and pleasing to God. And those are the kinds of people that God is looking for. Look at Psalm 14, verse 2. The Living Bible says, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who are wise who want to please God. Now, here's the question on the table. How can you please God? How can you live in a way that pleases God? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists And that he rewards those who seek him. So without faith, you cannot please God. In our message today, I want to focus on one of the heroes and sheroes of the faith as listed in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to focus our study today on the man by the name of Noah. Uh, The Bible says that Noah learned how to please God. He exercises and exhibits a faith that brought pleasure to God. How to live to please God. Here's the first thing. Number one, you live in a way that pleases God when you learn to love God completely. Everybody say, love God completely. He says, you got to learn how to love God completely. Verse 5, Genesis chapter 6 The Lord saw that the people on the earth were very evil. He saw that they thought only about evil things all the time. The Lord was sorry that he had made people on earth and made him very sad in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy all the people I created on the earth. I will destroy every person and every animal and everything that crawls on the earth. And I will destroy all the birds 
in the air because I am sorry that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah pleased God. There's a stark contrast here with the rest of the world. Uh, in Noah's day, the world was morally bankrupt. In Noah's day, wrong was right and right was wrong. In Noah's day, there was confusion as to who was who and, and who ought to live for whom. It was so bad that the Bible says God couldn't find anyone on the planet, on the earth, who was interested in living to please him except one man, and that was Noah. The Bible says Noah lived in a way that pleased the Lord. How can you and I live to please God? Look at Hosea 6, verse 6, the living Bible. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. The message Bible says, I'm after love that lasts, not more religion. I want you to know God, not go to more prayer meetings. See, God says, I want more than sacrifices. I want more than rituals. I want more than routines. I want more than religion. God says, I want a relationship with you. I don't want you to just go through the motions of coming to a building. I need you to have a relationship with me. See, too many of us come to church, and I know this is going to sound strange for a pastor to say this, but too many of you waste your time coming to church. Too many of you who are watching waste your time going to church because when you go to church, you're just going to check off something off of your spiritual checklist. I went to church. I'm done. Um, pastor, okay, don't hold me too long because I already checked the box one time. Don't make me uncheck it, right? But, but here's the truth of the matter. God says, I'm not concerned about you coming to a prayer meeting. I'm not concerned about you going through the motions. I want a relationship with you. And a relationship with you entails more than just going through the ceremony and going through the motions. I want to have intimacy with you every day of your life. I want you to love me with everything you have. That's why he says in Mark chapter 12, you remember the context of the story. Uh, the lawyer says to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Uh, let, let me read it again from the Cofield emphasized version. Verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. God says, I want everything. 
I, I want you to give me all of your love. Can I tell you the mistake that we make in life? Because we're seeking our own pleasure, here's what we end up doing. We end up giving all of our love to somebody else for whom that love was never intended. Listen, you can't give a divinely intended love to a human being and then get mad at that human being when they don't appreciate the totality of the love you gave them. Because all of your love was not intended for them, it was intended for God. I'm watching the uh, NBA telecast on last night. Los Angeles Lakers were playing the Golden State Warriors and they were talking about one of the players that plays for the Golden State Warriors and they said he was so in love with his girlfriend. So in love with his girlfriend. He's, he's, he's from another country. He was so in love with his girlfriend that when they told him he had a chance to play in the NBA, he refused to leave because he thought he might lose his girlfriend. That's how in love he was. He was so in love. And, and one of the commentators, uh, a woman, said, said, Every woman that's listening right now wants that kind of love. <laughs> and, and, and the gentleman said, yeah, but he was, he was giving up an NBA career because he didn't know if he could keep the love of his girlfriend. And I'm thinking, he wanted this. I know what he wanted to say. He could have found love with an NBA contract. <laughs> could have found all the love he wanted, all the love he wanted. about how the story ended. He, he ended up marrying his girlfriend, and, and she is, is, of course, with him now, and he's playing in the NBA. But it was just interesting that he was so afraid of losing that love that he did not want to leave his country to pursue an NBA career. My brothers and my sisters, God wants that kind of love and more. God says, I've given you my all. I've given you my son. I give you grace and mercy morning by morning. The least you can give me is the love that I've given you back to me. Here's the second thing. I told you, number one, you live in a way that pleases God when you learn to love God completely. Here's the second thing. You live in a way that pleases God when you learn to trust God totally. Everybody say, trust God totally. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah is commanded to build an ark. You know how long it took Noah to build that ark? 120 years. 120 years Noah spent building that ark. Do you think his faith was ever challenged? It's not like God said, hey, I want you to do this and it's going to take you 120 years to do this. God says, I want you to build an ark. And watch this. You're going to build an ark in a place where there is no water 
in a land that has not seen rain in your lifetime. He says, I want you to build an ark. Now, can you imagine what folk were saying about Noah? I mean, man, listen, folk must have been walking back on. No, what you doing, man? It ain't never rained here before. The nearest body of water is how many miles away? How you going to get it to the water, Noah? Man, you tripping, Noah. Man, all right, go ahead. Wait a minute, can you imagine his wife? When her girlfriends came over and said, Girl, Noah's still out there on that ark? His wife probably said, Girl, you know that, look, that man crazy. I love him, but he crazy. I told him to just stop fooling with that ark thing. Every time I turn around, he out there on that ark. Every time I turn around, he out there pounding. And I told Noah, leave that ark alone. Can you imagine his teenage children when their friend said, your daddy's still out there building that ark? They're like, man, you know my daddy crazy, man. He out there. But despite what others may have said, despite what he may have thought, the Bible says he kept trusting God. He kept trusting God. He pleased God because he believed what God said even when it didn't make sense with what he saw. See, most of us, remember, without faith it's impossible to please God, right? Uh, the evidence of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, right? Right? And, and, and here's the problem for many of us. We only have faith when we can see. But if we have faith only when we can see, it's not faith. If you can see it, it's facts. And most of us only move by facts. We don't move by faith, especially when faith calls for us to move when we can't see what God is saying. When you trust God, you believe God wants you to do, and you do what you believe is in your best interest because you put total trust in God. Now, we're talking about a purpose-driven life. We're talking about a life that finds its focus in God. You can't get there without faith in God. Look at Psalm 147, verse 11. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Verse 11, the ETRV translation says, the Lord enjoys people who worship him and trust in his faithful love. In what areas of your life do you need to trust God completely? In what areas do you trust God a little when you need to trust him more? Because you do know if you trust him a little, you're really not trusting him. Right? Trust in order to be trust has to be total. That's the only way trust can really be trust. And it takes total trust and complete love in order to begin the process of moving your life to a place 
where it is pleasing to God. Um, who's, who's pleased with your life? Uh, maybe, maybe you use a term like this, who's proud of you, right? Who, who's proud of, of how you're living? Uh, when you're a child, you want your parents to be proud of you. You want your grandparents to be proud of you. Um, your words go, go a long way. I know you may be trying to instruct them to do better, but as the old folk would say, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. And, and a little encouragement can go a long way. Just, just one, I'm proud of you, or you're doing a great job suggesting that you're pleased, if not with the outcomes, at least with the effort of your children can go a long way, right? Because you, you want your mom and dad, you want your aunties and uncles, you want them to be proud of you as a child. As a spouse, quiet as is kept, you want your spouse to be proud of you. I mean, listen, if, if you out there hustling, you out there grinding, you want your husband to say, you know what, baby, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. Some of y'all just went, oh. Like, y'all never heard that before, right? No, no, as, as, as a man, you, you, you would love your, your wife to say, baby, I'm proud of you. I, I love you. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that you're my husband, right? I'm, I'm grateful to God that you're my wife. Man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. That, that goes a long way. You know, you know what I've learned as a parent, now that I have grown children? There's a part of me, I want my children to be proud of. Like, I want, I want my grown children to be like, man, I'm, yo, you know, OG, I'm, I'm proud that you. <laughs> I got that the other day, y'all. I, man, I, I was at a restaurant, and the dude said, OG, you got a light? And I was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Guy with all the gray hair on his face. I guess that, I, I am official now, right? But as a, as a father... You want your children to be proud of you. You want, you want them to be proud that you're their dad, that you're their mom, right? And, and, and as you get older, you become a grandparent, you become the matriarch or patriarch of the family. You, you want your life to be pleasing to those who are under you. You want them to, man, I'm, I'm proud of, uh, of Papa. Man, I'm, I'm proud of me, Mom. I'm, I'm proud that, that I'm part of this lineage. But at the end of the day, as a child of God, your goal should have God proud of you. For God to be pleased with your life. Now, the old preachers used to, used to preach that all the time. I don't even know if we really realize. He, he would say, when, when you come to the end of your journey, weary of life, the battle's been fought. And the victory's been won. Carrying the staff and the sword of redemption. I want to hear the Lord say, well done. Y'all remember the preacher used to holler that? Oh, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And all that is is a declaration that God is pleased. When I get to the end of my journey, I want the Lord to be pleased with my life. 
And my challenge to you is to now decide to change your life from living for your pleasure to living to please God. See, when you live for your pleasure, you want to manipulate and maneuver everything. You get mad at folk when you don't come out of the situation or circumstance being pleased. But I dare you to change the goal of your life from living to please yourself to saying, I'm going to live my life to please God. Let all of God's people say amen. Father, we bless you and thank you for this day. I pray, God, that as we seek to live our lives to please you, that you would remind us of the call, the challenge, to love you completely and to trust you totally. Help us, God, in those areas where we struggle to please you the most where we struggle to love you completely and trust you totally. God, I pray now in the name of your son that you would show us, convict us, challenge us in those areas. So many times, God, we pray and we want you to change. We want you to change our situation and change our circumstances. And many times, God, it's not about us wanting you to change. It's about us needing to change. And so help us, God, to look in the mirror. Help us to make the decision to be more and more like you, to become more and more like you, that we will hear you say at the end of our journey, well done. It's in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.